Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. It's a trend and I don't care. All right, folks, let's zoom in. <clears throat> so my son has been putting little things up for you to find, little fur balls and little uh, little pieces of art that he made in the background. So Milo is, uh, has got things hidden in the backgrounds for you to find. I don't know if I'm covering any of them, but we'll see. First of all, though, let's make a phone call. Ask Jesus to show up. Um, so this was a prop from the Tammy Faye movie and the after party, they had these laying around and me and my date at the time, um, we stole it, but I did send a picture of me on the phone pretending to talk on the phone to Jessica Chastain to let her know that I took it and would return it if need be. You know, you got to keep an eye on those bakers. Um, anyhow, I hope you're well. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. School's about to start for the kiddos. That's exciting. Um, Working on my posture. Um, trying to figure out what I wanted to start out with. Have you ever noticed that hipster preachers, I, I mean, I don't know who those guys are, but usually like use like their hipsterness as like they get like a pass to be kind of an asshole. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> And it's like on either side though. I'm not, you know, you know me, I'm an equal opportunist. So even like the hip, like progressive guys are like, oh, yeah, these evangelicals, man, they, they're grooming the kids and the youth groups, you know, and they're saying all that crazy stuff. And, you know, and then you got the other guys who are really hip. And what's funny is the conservative hipsters are always just a little bit off with their fashion. Like they just go just a little too far. Like they just need to take one thing off and they're all like with their, like, I won't say anything cause it might, <laughs> you might guess people I'm talking about, you know, but they're all like, woman's made to be in the kitchen. I mean, I'm not here to be popular. I mean, I'm cool as shit, but I'm not, you know, ever noticed that? I don't know. So I always weary, be weary of those cool guys. Now me, you might be thinking, well, Jay, aren't, isn't that the pot called McCuddle Black? Look at you and your very fashionable bucket hat that I'm told is working class in England. Um, look at you in your fashionable bucket hat and glasses and tattoos and weren't you like OG? But but that's, you know, what you have to realize I was born cool. So that's the thing is like, so I identify as cool. I was born cool. It was like, just kind of happened to me. I had no choice. That wasn't a choice that I made. I was just, 
born with a sense of fashion. Not so much cool like an attitude, but what I realized is that if you dressed really cool and you were still really nervous, people just thought you were cool because you were quiet or they thought you were a dick. Um, and that could work if you can get the right people to think that, you know, you're a dick over here, like those people that you don't want to. <laughs> but unfortunately, that would happen opposite sometimes. I know that when I was in L.A., um, a lot of the guys in the gangs thought I was an asshole. And, uh, and then finally, I was like, uh, I didn't even know you guys thought about me, but I'm glad you do. But I'm just really an insecure, quiet guy. And they'll be like, oh, you're like, you know, so-and-so. And then it was cool. God, I look like I'm going fishing. Like, it's not even cool anymore because I've got this, my beard is just falling apart. I'm old man. It's like I'm on Golden Pond. Like, welcome to reading hour with Jay. I do, I, you know, I caught a big one yesterday at the thing. All right, enough comedy hour. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. I hope you had a good week. Um, for those who showed up to the Q&A, thank you. I appreciate it. That was uh, a lot of fun. We're gonna try to do more of those Q and A's um, often. So uh, I'll also continue to do recommendations and things like that, trying to do more uh, of that just to, you know, just whatever we can do more of, whatever revolution can do more of, it's, it's what we're gonna be trying to do. And if we can help get people to, you know, I want people to find out why these things and what, what inspires me with these kind of like arguing well concepts and how to do all that kind of stuff. So thank you, Charles. The Q&A was fun. I like, I mean, I, I tried to like not be preachy, you know, um, but we need more people for more Q&As. You know, I didn't get a whole lot of pushback, you know, um, I did get tough questions like almost impossible questions, like, how do you know God's there? <laughs> um, special glasses, special glasses. I could see God with special glasses. Um, if I seem a bit hyped, it's because I had um, a large iced tea from Starbucks with no water. Um, I go there because the other coffee shop that's the independent coffee shop has a line out the door and um, there's just no way I can wait in a line so plus I love that lemon loaf um, what we're going to talk about today is statistics or being a statistic um, you know growing up they would always be like I don't you don't want to be a statistic to your kids, you know, in sex education class or things like We used to actually have that. And I actually thought they were helpful. Everybody who's afraid of the sex ed is, I don't understand. I, I was, you know, it wasn't like they taught me how to have it, but they taught me how to like be really careful and be really respectful and, and, and do that kind of thing. It, they were, and everybody blushed and seemed healthy. Anyhow, that's another, <laughs> that's, that's another talk. That's Jay's birds and the bees talk, which my seven-year-old, it was like, and six-year-old, um, or eight-year-old now, Milo's eight, or asked me like, what are the birds and the bees? And I was like, oh, I'm like texting their mother, like they're asking me about the birds and the bees. Um, so statistics, I wrote down statistic with a 
unusually large C at the end. Um, I don't like being one. And, um, but you always hear these statistics, like most Americans are blank, fill in the blank, you know. Um, most conservatives are blank. Most liberals are blank. Most, you know, most people in the LGBT community are, you know, and we kind of become the statistic and we be kind of become like, oh, and then they take these statistics and they go, let's put them on a chart of all these corporations. And they go, okay, well, this is how we settle this group. And this is how we settle that group. And, you know, and we're just, we're just being, you know, we're just statistics. We're just numbers. We're just, you know, how do we not piss this group off and how do we keep this group happy? And, you know, keep something crazy from happening. And if you're a monopoly, you don't really care. Like if you like, like when the Bud Light thing happened, the Bud Light place, we own like every beer there is. So yeah, Bud Light, yeah, we're bad. Oh yeah, don't drink Bud Light. Yeah, I drink that one because we own it too. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, corporations don't really give a damn about you. They help us work when they don't send our jobs other places. Um, not that helping other countries isn't good, but it's hard to find a job. I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday who's been trying to find a job for over a year. He said he, he filled out 200 applications and only had eight interviews. So I told him I needed just to maybe get an AI to fill out his applications for him. But a statistic, I don't want to be one. Uh, men in their 40s, I am a statistic, though, men in their 40s. September, I don't know if you know, is Suicide Awareness Month. And it's very important to me because I tried to take my life five years ago. Not something I'm super comfortable talking about, just because I know one day I'm going to have to talk to my kids about it. Um, and I woke up in the hospital. I took a bottle of sleeping pills thinking that that would work, but I blacked out but my unconscious, I guess, wanted to live. Um, anyway, so, so September, last night I was putting up a lot of stuff about Suicide Awareness Month, and people were like, are you okay? <laughs> and, and I won't lie, I'm depressed as hell, but no, I am okay. I, I, was, I was just talking about it. But men in their 40s are the highest group of people who killing themselves. You know, um, that's... That's a statistic, and it's a true statistic. And that's the other thing about statistics is they're often very true. And uh, so there is something going on in this country with men, and they don't feel like they belong, or they don't feel like they were able to do, be who they are. They aren't happy, and they don't want to live anymore. And that's something to think about when we use words and how we think, and when we think in black and white, and we think of the like, oh, the hierarchy or the patriarchy, or, and we think about these things. Um, the patriarchy is like five white guys and you know, not even probably white guys, probably even like just 10 guys and probably five women up in a secret base in space. You know, that's the, that's 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 where that's happening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we all like the broad brushes. And what we don't realize is that we're hurting each other uh, with our words and with our actions and uh when, when we think like, 
well, you can't discriminate against that group of people because they're the you know majority or like men, and then you realize that men are dying in horrific numbers. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, uh, white men, African American men, gay men—they're all they're. You know, something to think about. There's another statistic that's not a happy statistic. I don't want to be a statistic, but unfortunately in life, we will always be statistics. So we're going to talk a little bit about Hegelian. I don't even mean to bring up Hegel um, because honestly, he drives me mad. I just bought three books on Hegel, just trying to understand the dialectic even more so I can talk about it more because that's what really interests me with Hegel. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about here is the, the contradiction. Um, and we're not going to talk about Hegel anymore from this point on, but there's a contradiction in what it is like to be a statistic and want to be an individual and how we live within Hegel. Yes. <laughs> how we live in that above that contradiction in that truth, if you will. When two opposite forces come together like Batman and the Joker. <laughs> um, so a statistic, we don't like that. Don't want to be that. But to most, that's all you are. So, you know, that's something we've got to realize. Like, that's what we are. That's what we're seen as. Um, what helps us not be um, statistics, if you will, or not feel like statistics? And that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, humanity, you know, often doesn't seem to be enough, you know, because like the human things of statistics is this is where they're going to look at statistics. Okay, folks. Uh, they're going to go like sexuality. Okay. You know, you're <laughs> filling out any weird list, you know? Yeah. There's even a sentence. Well, don't want to answer. Oh, I <laughs> don't want to answer, you know, up to like, did you see in the, you know, like what, what was the last ad for phones you saw on Instagram? Like they're, I mean, I don't mind the ads cause they're pretty good, but I'm broke right now. So stop with the good ads. There's this, Coke bottled colored watch I saw and I was like, oh, that is cool. Can't do it. Um, but humanity doesn't seem enough to keep us from being a statistic because they will use your sexuality as a statistic. They will use your race as a statistic. They will use your religion as a statistic. Um, and they will use your gender or your non-gender, or your gender bond, gender by you know, they will use all these things as a st statistics to sell you something, to make something for you, to offer something for you, to make, you know, this is what statistics are, are about. You know, they're supposed to be like, oh, so we'll, often statistics, like when we fill out like the, you know, the one for the, you know, for your county and so they can be like, this is so we know how to get the garbage and know what you need and then, nah, nah, nah. you know, <laughs> and then we find out they're sh sharing that with other people. And um, 
you know, just look at different, like look at different ads and different parts of, of neighborhoods and towns and things like that. You'll, you'll notice it. So they're going to use all your, your special things. Like they're going to figure out like, Oh, this guy likes punk rock records. So we're going to, Oh, but he does like George Michael too. So we're going to have to slip some George Michael in there. And if he likes George Michael, he might like this, you know, um, guy. So, we're statistic, but we must go deeper. We've got to go deeper, not to just be statistics, folks. Um, and these are the things that I feel like help me with this. And they can try to use this. They, they're going to always try to use these statistics against us and put them into these things against us. But these are things that help me. Art. Philosophy, those are things that, 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 uh, that help me. Um, getting into our own traditions, questioning, you know, thinking about our own traditions, questioning our own traditions, questioning our own thoughts, and loyalties. Why do my loyalties lay here? You know, is it because I've been socially, statistically made to think this way? I know I'm not using statistics in the best way, but I just wanted to find one word to use through this whole talk. So I'm just going to be a little bit generous like philosophers are with words. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it might be generally used this way. Uh, statistically, you know, use this way. And I think what we do is by allowing ourselves to understand philosophy and go deeper in our own thoughts, deeper into our own traditions, and we allow ourselves to express ourselves through art and through enjoying art, through seeing art and doing art, it allows ourselves to, to, to think differently. But I think one of the things that, that philosophy has done for me is... is question where my loyalties are, where, what, what my thoughts are, what my, my, my convictions, like really question those and, and ask myself, are these things that were planted in there? Like a two-party system, like I really bought into that for a really long time. It probably the height of my popularity. I was like just hard-nosed Democrat, boom, never, you know, barely ever questioned the party. And it wasn't, it's not, wasn't great. It wasn't, but it, but it was, that's how it, 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 the system worked and got me where it needed to be, even though I was, but what helped me is I thought I was the odd man out because I was speaking at all these Christian festivals that were all conservatives. And I remember kids finding out that I was a Democrat and they're like, no, I love your book. How could you do that? You know, all that stuff. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'm pretty edgy. And, um, because I think a little bit different than you do. Um, but I'm, I was being manipulated, like a lot of us are, are manipulated because they use statistics to manipulate us. Um, so, so philosophy is, it, it has encouraged me to think differently. Uh, so has um, psychology, you know, and, and, and uncon the unconscious and how I've grown and repeating patterns, uh, even family patterns in my own life for like right now, I'm like, I'm 47 years old. This I'm at the age when my dad was when he lost PTL and, and lost Heritage USA and had his scandal and all that kind of stuff and, and lost everything. 
I, I'm not kidding you right now. I am like in like the worst situ financial situation I've been in in years. And it's because, you know, and I'm going like, is this, you know, you have to like, am I repeating a family process? Am I doing something unconsciously? Am I self-defeating myself? Am I, am I, you know, and so you have to question these things and think about these things or otherwise you're just kind of like a study. You're, oh, well, statistically showing the man in your age and a father who did this, you know, boom. So I battle against that. And I, one way I battled against that was by, um, by seeing a, a, a psychoanalyst. Now, I can't see my analyst anymore because I can't afford to see an analyst. Um, and insurance in this country, even though I have it, doesn't pay for it. But it really helped me to reset some of those things. And, and people go, oh, why do you read Freud? Freud's a freak or he did cocaine and things like that. But reading Freud and listening to Freud uh, lectures and things like that really helped me understand some of these patterns, some of the things the unconscious is doing and allowed me to kind of break free from those things, you know. Um, I'm selling a lot of stuff on eBay, and you'll see I've had a lot of uh, compulsive collections over the years. And a lot of the things I realized were coping mechanisms to deal with loss in my life. And as soon as I was able to like kind of let go and realize, oh, this is a coping mechanism, like collecting all these pops, you know, different pops, with the different paint color, and that it was, you know, it was a way for me to have control and a way for me to be a coping mechanism or eating disorder or something like that. You know, I, I have some control here, even with smoking, like, I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to die on my own terms. You know, it was kind of these like, and as soon as you realize these are coping mechanisms that are just helping you cope with something, you're able to go like, okay, what am I coping for? What is this coping with? And sometimes it's in our unconscious, so we don't know. So the things like seeing a psychoanalyst, seeing an analyst helps us kind of get into that deeper level of going like, oh, my toys were my friends, you know, I didn't feel loved by my, my parents were so busy and these were the people and this is where I feel comfortable and this is giving me secure. Okay, now I see it and now the magic's gone. Now the completeness that I thought they offered is nothing. I just see plastic and cool shapes of things that I like, but I don't need them to feel complete or whole. Um, that's the trick of capitalism is capitalism promises you and finds what you need and I swear they hire psychologists and things that come in and, and do ads that will make you feel like if I just have like for some people it's like if I just have that Cadillac or if I just have the newest car or if I just have the newest shoes or you know <clears throat> I'll feel complete I'll feel whole <clears throat> I'm I, I'm doing eBay right now and I, I put my leather jacket up like my favorite leather jacket and, and me and Pete used to joke about like I finally found completeness like you know completeness doesn't really exist you know, there's always this empty space. There's always that, you know, the gap there. There's always the lack. And I'm like, but we always joked about how that jacket was the, the, the exception to the rule and it filled the lack and everything because that was the jacket I wanted. I, I don't need anything else. I have the jacket. This is it. There's the jacket. And it was a long, long going joke for years, you know, um, that stupid jacket about how it filled the lack. And the one exception, even when I saw um, Todd McGowan speak on it and then we were talking to Todd afterwards and Pete and he were like yeah except the jacket you know so anyway and so for me even letting go of the jacket is is a huge movement of saying you know I've got to let these these lies of these promises of wholeness you know these promises of complete I got to learn to embrace the lack myself 
and I can lack the jacket. I can lack these things, you know, and not be a statistic, not be the, the fit into the box, if you will, then you go deeper. So are we being marketed to? Of course, we're being marketed to every, I'm probably marketing to you right now. I mean, I am, I need you to support this so I can do this and we can have these talks, blah, blah. But hopefully there's something more pure in that from knowing those things, from admitting those things, from laying the cards on the table and going, this is where we're at. Like, hey, we need your help. You know, I can't go like, hey, I need your help. And if I know you guys need something, like, and God will give you a miracle in your life and you'll be complete if you support Revolution Church. Your barns will overflow, you know. You'll get a barn. Um, but I, I can't do that because I, I know it's not true, you know. Th this revolution will get better. And you might get more out of it, you know. <laughs> that's, that's the best I can offer you. Um, You know, but there's this this illusion that we are cared for by our politicians and our corporations. And I think there are some good politicians out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that's the illusion. But they've spent a lot of time studying statistics to see, you know, what we want to hear. I mean, so that's why we see a lot of like folks on like a lot of promise. Like why my health care sucks, man. Like I have health care and I had to got a new doctor and I won't be able to see the new doctor until next year, which means I'll have to have and sign up for health care again. And hopefully that doctor, you know, but all the politicians, even the ones I, the ones I voted for promised me that they were going to help me get universal health care. Health care was going to be easier and better. And oh, angels are going to come to my house and just touch me and I'll be fine, you know? And, um, you know, I, Oh, you don't want that funny line in your glasses? Well, that, you know, you have to get three different, like I got to get insurance for my skin and for my eyes and for my teeth. And, you know, you got to decide what do you like best about your body that you'd like to keep? And we still have to pay for it, even though we pay taxes. You know what I'm saying? So like we're lied to, we're sold a bunch of stuff where statistically they know how to take advantage of us. And so one of the things we do try to do here at Revolution is, is expose ourselves to that right and left, like, this is an inclusive area. This is an area, and when I say inclusive, that doesn't mean we're not gonna, that we won't argue with each other and then that we're not gonna, we will disagree with each other, but we are looking for diversity and we are not just looking for diversity of skin color or diversity of sexuality uh, or diversity of being well, healthy, sick, up, handicapped, handicapable, whatever, but we're looking for also for diversity of thought and thinking differently. And that's what I love. I mean, one of the things I loved about the Q&A was, was I was getting questions that were really hard for me to answer. Like, how do, I never feel God. Where is God? Why do, do you believe in God? How do you know? What, you know? And I had to answer those questions freaking honestly. And I grew up not hearing honest answers to those questions, you know. And a lot of the times the reasons I didn't hear honest answers to those questions was is because it, it's like I was offering, like a lot of times, pastors and speakers and religious people and politicians are offering to fill that lack. They're using capitalism in their own way of saying, well, you'll gain something. I will give you the secret knowledge that you're dying for. And what I want to tell you, and, and what I've learned is I remember talking to Pete one time about his, his philosophy, um, pyrotheology. And I'm like, dude, you should do like an introduction book to pyrotheology. And I kept bugging him about it. I'm bugging him about it. 
He's like, no, that's not really my thing. And what I've realized is like no introduction to any philosopher is usually any good. And so I said, well, I understand this and this is because Jay, you know why you understand these things is because you've done the work, you've read the books, you've taken the time and studied. There's not always just like this easy answer. You know, there's not this like buy this pill and it will make you whole. If you get the Amazon plus plus, then you'll, you know, they'll just put the books right into your brain and you'll have it all figured out. You've studied it, you've weighed it, you've dealt with it and you realize when you're right and you're wrong. So for me, that's like, you know, that's my way of fighting, of being a statistic. And Dr. King, I thought, I think did that beautifully as well. And so did Malcolm X, you know, those are why those guys are like my, my heroes. It's not that they're my heroes because like, oh, you're liberal and you've got two, you know, <laughs> two black heroes, how progressive of you. It's not, it's, it's like these guys were able to move and think and change their minds and, 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 and see things differently and see people not as enemies, but people that were either really ignorant and ignorant in the true sense, not like ignorant, like I'm ignorant and evil. It's like they didn't know any better or that they were, victims of misinformation and that's what we're dealing with a lot is people who are just victims of misinformation you know and we can make fun of them and that's usually what we end up doing that's when I was talking about the hip pastors you know the hip like oh I'm an ex-Christian pastor or I'm an ex you know and like taking the piss out of all these people for you not knowing any better when I'm going like Dude, I don't, you know, it might even be better if you don't share your politics with me. You just share what you've learned with me because I want, I think what you're offering people, the message is you're educating people and helping them learn to think differently on their own. You don't need to tell them how to think. You can give them the tools to help them learn to think. And that's what we want to do here. And that's what I want to see you guys. And I do, I get, I talk to you guys in my DMs and you're doing it. And you ladies and gentlemen and all you folks, you're talking to me. You're saying, oh, I had this conversation and. I got this beautiful note from somebody recently. He was like, yeah, you know, you told me to stick around and talk to church people and I didn't want to do it. And it really pissed me off that you said it and I did it and I've seen change. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I've suffered a lot to be there. Like I'm in a, my depression is attacking me every day. I'm having to use everything I learned in DBT. I'm having to use everything I've learned in my psych, with my psychoanalyst. I even called and asked my psychoanalyst a question the other day because I was so worried about something. And he said, listen, come in one session. I won't charge you. Let's just talk it out. You know, we'll do, I'll do it pro bono this one time. And I was like, thanks. So Tuesday, I'm going to have a free session. Um, anyway. So there's that illusion that we have that we are free thinkers or that were radical thinkers. You know, I, I, there's this meme of this guy and they're like, radical thinker who agrees with everything that Hollywood, you know, <laughs> Hollywood and the media says, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it's like the war in Ukraine. I was like, okay, you know, these people need to be defended, but I don't want any more wars. Like, I just, this, there's gotta be other ways. Can, not, how can we not figure out ways to have comforts? And you, you may agree or disagree with me on that. But the point was, is I, I felt like all of a sudden I was being fed, like, you need to believe this, you know, and it, how you act, how you react to this. The same with COVID, like it was like just these lines in the sand that are just ridiculous and no room for nuances. And as you know, revolution loves nuances. We love to disagree and we love to disagree well. And we love to argue well, which means we also love 
to try to listen well and grow and change so this doesn't happen. So obviously, like if I've just said, like there's a huge group of, of, of people killing themselves and they're all men in their 40s. Next time you have an argument with a man in their 40s, you might want to think about this. You know, maybe that confident, angry man is so fed up that they really just want to die. And that's why they're angry and they don't feel anything and they're afraid and they're scared. Like, I'm a statistic right now because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. You know, um, not a fun statistic to have. I always like to have a little buffer. Don't have that buffer right now. And it's like, it, 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 it's scary. And we're all living there. And the reason I share this is not to say, like, oh, poor me, feel sorry for me. What I'm trying to say is like, this is the reality that we're all living in. And it's a really tough reality. And tearing each other apart is not working. If we learn to ask, our, what are our motivatives? What, what are our motivations? What are our, our motives? What scares us? What are we afraid of? And why are we afraid of it? These are questions that are worth asking. And you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with church or the Bible or anything else? I am going to talk a little bit about it, believe it or not. But you're going to have to wait a few more minutes. So, meaning. Where is it? Where is the meaning? It's like asking, where is God? <laughs> where is the meaning? So can I share with you? Would you mind if I share with you where I find meaning? And if you do mind... You can just plug yours and push me. I'd appreciate it if you still watched. Subscribe and like. My kids are always talking about how YouTubers are like, every time we pretend to do a YouTube video with them, they're always like, and remember, subscribe and like and put on that uh, notification button. Um, so I need to start saying that more. Subscribe, like, and turn on that notification button. That's where I found meaning. No, I don't find meaning there. I do find meaning in my work. I love my work. And that's what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes. I've been doing this for 30 years. Highs and lows. So one way I do it is to fight with what, uh, with what little strength I have against society's expectations. I have been told most of my life during my depression, during my, let, let me go back to that suicide awareness month, during my time where I tried to take my life, where I was very depressed, most of my friends who are in past work, and one of my friends had left and become a universalist Unitarian, <laughs> all these people who I respected quite a bit, telling me to quit, quit. You need to take time off, you need to quit, you need to go do something else. This isn't working anymore. Look at your life, look at your life. And that's what the church would say usually. I mean, I wouldn't even fit into Assemblies of God because I've been divorced twice. So I'm out there, I'm out in a lot of American denominations for that and probably worldwide denominations because of that, but I'm under no denomination, so there you go. Um, but, and it's not like, so I do whatever I want and man, it's great. I find meaning. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying was, is that I had one friend and as you guys know, Peter Rollins and is, is, is one of my closest friends. And he said, you're so good at grace. Even if you don't believe the other stuff, I know you believe the grace. Just keep doing it. He's like, I don't see you getting fulfilled doing something else. You're not trained to do anything else where you can go work at a record store and then you're going to wake up one day you know, 75 years old, happy that you've done, you gave up and you're, it might, it might be, but he's like, that's not where I see you. He's like, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're reading. Look at the obstacles you've overcome with your learning disabilities and your mental health 
and all these things. You're just in a dark patch and quitting isn't going to help at all. So stay focused. So, I mean, literally weeks after I had gotten out of the mental hospital, I'm literally back sitting, speaking. And some of you remember, I did a, um, an Easter sermon and all I could talk about was the death of Christ. I said, there's no room for resurrection in my life right now. And I remember my buddy Caleb, uh, who we lost, uh, God last year, just sat there and cried, you know, and that was like, okay, I'm doing the right thing, you know? So it, it's trying like, everybody's been like, do something else, do something else, do something else, give up, give up. And even my brain and my depression, give up, give up, give up. You know, oh, you're in Seattle now. It's not going to work. It didn't work in Minnesota, so it's not going to work. You know, and I'm just going like, no, this is what I love to do. This is my passion. This is my purpose. This is what I've been called to do. So this is what I'm going to do. And so I don't let society's expectations. I stopped taking, I stopped taking polls. I stopped going like, after that, I realized, okay, I got to stick true to myself. Like, And I read that book my mom wrote, I Got to Be Me. And then it really helped a lot. Um to sticking to what I believe, to sticking to my convictions. Now, yeah, I'm looking for a part-time job right now. Of course, I need to make money, a little more money. I need to do that, blah, blah. I need to get better at raising funds here. Steve always told me that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to do all those things and be better at those things um, because it allows me to do what I'm passionate about and not feel like a statistic, to not feel like I've got to live in a capitalist system that's going to to beat the life out of me. I want to live life well, even if that means making sacrifices. And that's what I tell my kids sometimes, you know, is like, hey, listen, dad doesn't have as much as this person or that person. And that's the sacrifice dad does to, to follow his, his heart and to follow his passion. And not everybody's able to do that, you know? I'm like, so there's a give and take, you know, you're always, there, there's always going to be, you know, my son was trying to choose between these two toys. And I said, buddy, I said, this is a hard reality is you're going to regret, which one, which one is like, should I get? Which one am I going to be happiest with? And I'm like, you're going to regret either decision you make. There's not one that's better than the other one. The one that's the best is probably going to be the one that you don't choose. I'm like, that's just part of it. But you know what? A couple of weeks, we might be able to come back down and get that as well. Maybe, maybe not. Well, let's just see. But, you know, you've got to realize that neither one is the magic answer. Neither one is going to offer you completeness and pure happiness. So that's what we did. Um, I, I'm seeing some really kind words from some of you here, and that really means a lot to me. Um, and it, it helps, it's encouraging. And I hope that you'll share that with other people so more people can share it in this work and what we're doing, because I do believe it's important. And I do believe that I've worked really hard to get where I'm at. And this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is where we're supposed to be. So one thing I've done in my life to continue to do the, my pursuit of not being feeling like a statistic, even in religion, is why I call why we call revolution a gathering rather than a church service. Because I just see the church and I see this division and I see all this and I just don't want any of it. I just, I really don't. I try to avoid it. The most church stuff I see is when I go onto the Revolution Instagram page because we do follow some churches and some ex-Christians and some different things like that because they follow us. And so we follow them back. And so I see some of that stuff. And I, I would love to have conversations with these folks, but I don't necessarily want to watch the material that's being produced by a lot of these folks. Um, 
I view religion, philosophy, scholarship, theology, films, music, and most books, even comic books sometimes, as my paint and brushes. What I realize about being me and being true to myself is that realizing that what I do is an art. And so I'm not comfortable being the pastor or, a, you know, and I don't have the you know degree of being philosopher or theologian. And these are all things I love and that I'm very passionate about and care a lot about. Um, and now scholarship is just, I mean, just, I've just become alive with scholarship. Dan actually is helping me with, with books on good scholarship. Uh, Dan uh, McClellan, who, who's just really cool guy and been really great by offering me all these different uh, tools to use for, for decent scholarship. Side note is, which we are going to do in the next few months, we are, I'm going to start a, uh, a separate study on uh, the book of Romans. Um, I haven't done Romans in years, and I think it's time to do it, but do it in a very scholarly look at Romans, the book of Romans. Um, but for me, these things are all my paints and my brushes and my tools to do my art. I feel more why I relate more to reading a book written by a musician or by an artist, you know, by an actor or by a creative person, a painter than I do when I read a book by a pastor or a preacher uh, is because I just feel that there's something within me that just identifies to, to being truth to art. That's why that book um, I read by, uh, gosh, what's his name? Um, why is it escaping me right now? It should be right around here somewhere. Um, Rick Rubin's book, anyway, Rick Rubin's book really inspired the hell out of me. Um, so did the Nick Cave book. You know, those are just sort of John Lydon's book. Uh, so did Don Lett's book, you know, but also reading Dr. King. He's he got obviously an exception to that and, and reading Gandhi and different things. I mean, there are people who inspire us, but inspire us to be true to what we're. So what I'm saying is, is not that you have to see what you do as an art form, but that helps me. That helps me wake up and think of think differently and not think the same way a preacher may be thinking or, you know, how do I do this situation or how do I, you know, not reaching into my cultural bag of things I'm supposed to be. Well, this is the, this is what this type of person does rather than seeing it as an art and a canvas. And that art is important to me because I want you to see it the way you want to see it and reflect the way you want to see it and get the best from it. And I hope it communicates reconciliation and grace and conversation and speaking well and listening well and being patient and kind with each other. Um, so for me, this work is a form of art. I feel silly saying it. Like I am over explaining it because I honestly feel embarrassed sharing it with you. It's kind of something that I, I've said every now and then, but I don't say a lot because I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Um, but I'm saying it so you don't feel embarrassed about your truths. You know, the things that you feel, the things that you say, and the things that you're passionate about. Um, so there you go. There, uh, you know, uncomfortable truth for me, for you. You guys are like, oh, whatever. Or, oh, Jay thinks he's an artist. Oh, fancy. It's, it's not even like that. I'm not going to, I might come on with a beret and, and a little thing around my neck and a long cigarette, but I don't think that'll happen. Um, uh, 
yeah, more human than human. I've been called, my, well, I had a sponsor in AA said that I was haphazardly human. <laughs> and I kind of like that, and I kind of kind of stick with that. Jay Baker, haphazardly human. I might actually be in one of my, like, my Twitter or something. You know, I want to, I want, I want for my art to create a community, one community with the least blood spilled as possible, you know, the least resentments, the least blood spilled as possible, and not by being people pleaser, but by speaking the truth, you know, um, but speaking the truth out of love and kindness, which is really damn hard, folks. It is really tough when you're tired, and you're worn out, and you're living life, and you're, and you're living life on life's terms. So my hope is that my work allows you to be illuminated and to illuminate, you know, to illuminate that you will be the light in the room. You know, when you love somebody, they become, you know, they become the light in the midst of the darkness. You know, when you fall in love romantically and all of a sudden that person walks in or when you have your first crush in high school or, and you just, all of a sudden it's like, music comes on <laughs> and all of a sudden you're kind of floating like a cartoon, you know, you get nervous and feel, you know, and you feel that, you know, I want us to be able to be illuminated um, and illuminate others and, and, and also to be that illumination, to see clearer, if you will. So sometimes I'm like, well, we're not sticking on the same level and that sounds really kind of judgmental and things like that. It's not meant to be. What it means is that we want to see clearer. We want to have a clear way of seeing. Now, here's the thing is if you think getting your vision clear and having your vision and being, you know, I was blind and now I can see is a great thing. Then I really want to encourage you to read John chapter nine. All of chapter nine is Jesus healing the blind man. And then the Pharisees being very angry about this man having his vision back and questioning him and questioning his parents. And his parents don't want to say anything because they don't want to upset the religious people who are in control at the time. It is a mess. This man now has a vision. He has his vision. He's been blind since he was born. Now he sees. And I think it's a great allegory uh, that comes with this, that, that points well up for us to remember that, that that's part of it. Our, I'd also say arguing well comes in hand at this part as well, and that re remembering to listen to when you argue well. But it's a great allegory for having your eyes open by anything, really, having any new thoughts and new visions. Um, but that's, that's, I think, the alleg allegory, in, in which I think most of John is, <laughs> to be honest with you. The book of John is quite fantastical. Um, but that, that John 9 really kind of hit me with that of, oh, this is what happens when you see things differently or when you see things for what they are for the first time. And people aren't comfortable with that. And then they want to know, like, well, where did you get this vision? Where did you start to see this? They get suspicious, you know? And that's tough. You know, when I talk to my dad, you know, he asks questions and I can tell he's suspicious. He's asking, well, who are these scholars? You know, who are these philosophers? Who are these theologians you're listening to? Oh, I see your kids. What, 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 what is this enlightenment? Yeah, you know, and, and they're afraid of enlightenment. Oh, your kids, are, kids look great. Are they going to a good school? You know, and I know what he means by good school. I know the underlining there. 
you know, and it's like, it's suspicion. And it's tough to live with that. But why do we do it? Is because grace for me is a funny thing. That's why. Because grace is anarchy. Grace, you can listen to the U2 song. Uh, it's, all, it's on the album, All You Can't Leave Behind. It's the last track. It's called Grace. It's, it's pretty, it's worth listening to. And it says, you know, grace makes beauty out of ugly things, you know. And it's that grace. Why am I here right now talking to you? Grace, you know. All I can say it was grace that I woke up in a blackout when I took an overdose and found someone and said, I overdosed, what should I do? And they called an ambulance, which I don't remember. And I guess they pumped my stomach and I woke up in a hospital. And um, I never ever want to go back to a mental hospital again. It's pretty pretty hard stuff, but uh, grace is a funny thing. It's not always easy. I'm at a place where I feel defeated in my life by the system and by myself for not being better at my own work and my own art. I do feel that way right now. So I, and I'm speaking all this to you. It's speaking out of a very pure, broken place, very honest space. Um, I mean, it's even hard for me. I, I've been trying to figure out how to get the numbers of the people on the thing removed so I don't find my, my, I don't try to fill the lack with the numbers there. Like, oh, it was 20 and now it's 11. Oh my God. <laughs> what should I say? You know, you, human being human, but you have to have grace for yourself and you have to trust your work and you have to trust that your art's being where it should be. Um, but I'm a place, and I wrote this down today, <laughs> And that's why I'm looking down, reading this to you. I'm at a place where I feel defeated by the system, you know, by, by the American system and by insurance and by bills and by all these things. And, and it's tough. And I, within the past four years, my rent's doubled, you know, it's, it's scary. Uh, and I, but it's not just the system because I can't just blame the system. I know I'm part of that too. So I, for, so I, I, I'm for not being better at my own work and, and doing some of the stuff that I know, but it's hard when you're the, you know, you have a volunteer and that's it. You know, I don't have, you know, because you're usually, I found in communities when you run churches, you, you, a good team is the most valuable thing. It's not the leader. It's the, really the team and the team is, 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 is important because everybody plays a role that keeps the things rolling. And when you have a team of really two, three people, it's, uh, it's a little bit tougher to do. I'm not going to lie. You know, some people think, like, Oh, that's so, I posted this thing about the difference between bravery and having wealth, you know, like, Oh, that's so brave of you to do that. You know, well, it, you know, you, t you moved all the way across country and you did that. You know, if you have the finances, it's not as brave. It's just the decision, you know, it's when you're having to make these sacrifices. So it's tough. But grace compels me. I always think Christ compels you the, from the um, exorcist. Grace compels me. Grace hopefully will compel you. Grace, like I said, is a funny thing. It, to keep me going beyond success or failure. Beyond what the depressive thoughts may say, you know, that's a great thing about going to therapy and things like that is you realize in, in dialectic behavioral therapy is that thoughts are just thoughts. They're like clouds or like a leaf floating on the water and you can let them go by. You can choose to connect to them or to let them go. And, um, and my depression, also depression is just 
a liar. That's why are all these men killing themselves and dying is because they feel like there's no hope and their life isn't worth living anymore. And it really is a lie. And I found that to be a lie because I woke up in a hospital and I lived a better life. And I became more comfortable being who I am in my own skin. And I have amazing children. And I, I, I want to do whatever I have to do to be able to be a good father to my kids. I want to do whatever I have to do to be able to share hope and grace with you. You know? Um, so I'm going to give you my best explanation would be in a, ver in a verse. For my be the best explanation of, uh, of why... I continue to do the work I do. Why the fight, I feel like the fight is worth it in a verse. So the, I just picked a verse that I thought would be great for that. And uh, goes along with that. Hopefully that Roman study will be, we be, we'll be doing soon, which I shouldn't have told you about because now it's going to make me feel nervous. <laughs> I was just like, keep your card. <laughs> so then you get it prepared and you're like, hey, we're doing Roman. Then everybody's like, oh, great. <laughs> it's happening. Rather than, hey, when are we going to do that Roman stock? <laughs> that Roman study. Um, Romans 8. Romans 8.35. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to give an explanation and then we're going to call it a day, folks. Um, but Romans 35. 31 is a great place to start, but for time we're going to start at 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or a sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. Um, how many times have we heard that used out of context? And I hopefully trying to use that in the best context I can right now. Um, we're accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, and my mom always loved this verse too. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we never know the battle people are fighting. So we never know, like some people who are more than conquerors got up and took a shower today and got out of bed, you know, maybe took a walk to the store. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and this is the Apostle Paul saying this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth. I mean, if you look at this in a psychological way, like psychology, and think about the past, like depressed about the past or anxious about the future, this is really... Paul was very into that. He kind of understood the unconscious when he talks about, I do the things I want, but you know, I don't do the things I want, but I try. Uh, but I love Camus. Um, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, in the New Living Version, it says not even the gates of hell. I've always liked that part, but that's not relevant to what we're talking about right now. Now, why is this for me? And this is the explanation I wrote down for you guys, so I would remember. For me, this just is. Maybe my mom brainwashed me 
growing up with religion. But for me, it just is. It's not believing it or not believing it. It just is. It is being as being, or it is being is being. It just being has been. And this week I was reading Tillich about the ground of being, and I finally grasped that concept, and it blew my mind, really, what the ground of being is when he refers to God as the ground of being, and it, it really, it shook me, and um, it's taken me day. I'm still processing it. But for me, this neither, you know, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, no power nor height is just the truth. It just is. It's not even, I'm not going to say it's a lie or it's the truth. It just is for me. And that's what drives me is that as it was embedded in me um, by my, by the love of my mother and by the concept of grace and by my continued studies into humanity of all the horrificness I've seen uh, losing people I love and deeply care about seeing suffering. Those are still things that keep me there and, and, and suffering myself. You know, um, I, was, I was diagnosed with something called double depression and still that's, keeps me here with you doing the work of revolution. And so I hope this encourages you to say, you know, um, I'm not going to be a statistic, you know, I'm not going to just be a, a, a way for people to figure out how to promise me things or sell me things or promise me wholeness or completeness because I know that there's no such thing and that I have to learn to embrace the, gap, the, 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 the lack. And that's grace. Grace gives you that. And grace says, I read that and I go, okay, I've got the lack. And I can still live by embracing the lack no matter what. And so that's... Um, I guess I'm asking you to get a little philosophical and a little uh, uh, spiritual there um, and, uh, and, and to experience the art with me. Um, but it's an art that breathes uh, life, not only to ourselves and not only to the listeners, but to those that we encounter and have experiences with in everyday life. So thank you very much. Um, and in honor of Steve, um, who I will be at his memorial in a couple weeks in Los Angeles, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing some of his friends. But in honor of Steve, who always was on me about making sure I raise funds, <sighs> Revolution needs your support. We need your support more now than ever, and I know we're all going through it. Um, telling people about what this what we do here, sharing it, liking it, following it, uh, putting on the, you know, the, the, the little alarm bell on YouTube, that remind, the reminders and all that really do help a lot. Um, but finances help us a lot, help us get where we need to be. And um, I hope that one day maybe we can find like a group of, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, a group that will maybe help support the work that we do so we can do more and uh, be stronger and better at this and get this word out there even more. Um, but it is only possible through your giving. Um, you know, one of the things that I, before, one of my staff members before always made sure I had everybody's addresses and stuff so I could write thank you letters. And now we're all doing, you know, Venmo and, uh, and PayPal. 
um, and it's been all email stuff, and I have not been great at that. So what I'm going to try to get better at communicating with the folks who give through email and things like that. I don't have a computer right now. We had got one, um, but unfortunately, a friend of mine with addiction took that. And so we don't have it right now. We don't have a computer. I have a phone. <laughs> and I'm trying to do all that on phone right now. But we do appreciate and are grateful for your support. And uh, I want this to be better. I want it to be a better place. I want this to be, uh, I want to have this conversation with more people. So when we do Q&As, we can have really great Q&As and do all those stuff. And that's the future. But anyhow, let's just work harder and not be in statistics. And uh, have a great week. I will see you. I'm losing my voice because I've been preaching the gospel. <laughs> I had to sacrifice my voice today. Um, I will see you all next week. Thank you so much. Much grace with you all. Bye. for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.